powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Y'all ready for the word? Let's go. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it in Jesus' name. Amen. So God, we are open and we are ready, sir. Speak, Lord. Come on, tell them 915. Say, speak, Lord. I am open and I am ready to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to work. So this series we've been in all this month is called Summer Songs. We're seeing biblical principles in summer songs. Last Sunday songs was Never Dream, You Leave Me in Summer by Stevie Wonder. And let's just be honest, it's a sad song. In fact, I had never heard the song all the way through until I was preparing for the series, and I literally couldn't listen to it all the way through because it was a sad song. And I don't know about you, the Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. I don't have time for sad songs in my life. I wish you'd just look at somebody close to you and say, it's time for a new song for you. Uh Uh-uh, that's the wrong person. Look at somebody else online. I need you to type it in the comments. Somebody say, it's time for a new song. And the new song will be, and this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in my eyes. And the new song will be, and the Lord has done great things for us, and we are, and the new song will be, and the door open. And the new song will be, and favor found me. And the new song will be, that opportunity opened up for me. And the new song will be, that debts were canceled for me. Somebody say, I'm ready for a new song. That song, though, is an important part of the journey of life that we all go through because the song was about acute grief. What does that mean? It is something that happened quickly, though you had to respond quickly. And I've taught you that grief is our automatic response to loss. And I even taught you that you can grieve something good, and grief is seen in its symptoms. See, grief is crazy because something good can happen, but you can be grieving over something good. So you can have a new child, and you can say, this is something to celebrate. Here's the grief. Well, grief can be that you've lost the freedoms you had before you had that child. You can have a new job, and the grief will be that you no longer have the comfort of the experience you had in your previous job. And for some of you, I come to tell you it's time for the funeral to be over. I said, I came to tell some of y'all, it's time for the funeral to be over. Your grieving days have come to their conclusion. Why? Because if I stay stuck in grief, I cannot live my life. And I need you to know you're sitting next to somebody that's about to live their best life. They're not going back and forth with grief. They're about to live in their best. If you believe it, somebody say, the funeral is over. How do you know that you can still be in grief, that you're still at the funeral. See, living in grief literally is like, think of a natural funeral. It is like having that funeral over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you never heal because you stay stuck at the place 
where you don't allow yourself to heal. And for some of you, you keep saying, well, it's hard. It's only hard because you refuse to tell the funeral it's over. It's only hard because you refuse to say, I can't change it. I accept it. It's only hard because you refuse to let go and move forward into your future. And what if your grief was necessary? Why? To push you to do something you wouldn't normally do. I Grief is seen in its symptoms. Number one, physical symptoms. Grief can manifest in your body. Number two, grief can make you emotional. Number three, grief can uh, even make you have spiritual symptoms where you feel far from God and far from church. Grief can affect you socially. You can complain that there's nobody around you, but you're the one that withdraws and isolates yourself. You sit at the house all day and say, I just don't know why I'm so sad, because you need to get up, put your clothes on, comb your hair, get some lotion on your body, get out that house, and go live. There is too much life to be lived for you to be stuck up in somebody's house all day. I, I need you to elbow somebody next to you and say, get out and live. I, then there can be cognitive symptoms of grief. What does this mean? When you're grieving, you don't think properly. In fact, you will think very slowly. You're slow to respond. You take a long time to make simple decisions because grief can have you messed up, jacked up, tied up, tangled up. I'll say it once, but I'll say it again. But the funeral is over. I, mm -mm, I need you to speak this thing with authority. Say, and the funeral is over. I, now, I told you, I told you um, that grief explains why. After King Saul has an unexpected meteoric rise from one cookout, one weird situation ends up changing his life for the better forever. He literally uh, is in the midst of trying to find his father's donkeys. He meets a man named Samuel, and Samuel invites him to the cookout. And once he gets invited to the cookout, it changes his life for the better forever. And for some of you, it's going to be one unexpected, weird situation that's going to change your life for the better Forever. Why? The Bible says that God orders your steps. Some of you going to be in the checkout line at Nordstrom's and you're going to overhear an executive talking about something. And then you're going to say, well, I know how to do that. And you're going to get a job. Watch me. You didn't send the resume for it, but you were in the right place. at the. Come on, 915. Come on, say, and my steps are being ordered. And I'll be in the right place at the right time. It was one unexpected situation that changed his life for the better forever. He becomes king. But what happens? He becomes sloppy and stubborn, which makes him stagnant because he refused to obey God's command. Why? I've talked to you this. Why did he do that? He was what? Grieving. And when you're grieving, you can turn success into stagnation. When you're grieving, you can turn what should have been your high into a low. Let me prove it to you. Some of you all, when good things start happening, you start saying, well, I don't want to celebrate too much. It might not last. What if I told you that the Bible says that favor is for a lifetime, which means, baby, it's going to last for me forever. How long? Forever. I need you to just fist bump three or five people around you and just say, this is going to last. This is going to last. Online, I need you to tag somebody right there. Put that, this is going to last. You better what, baby? You, this is the lowest you'll ever see me. And I ain't doing bad, but it's about to get better for me. His favor is for a lifetime. Somebody say, cancel the funeral. Say it again. Say, cancel the funeral. He was grieving, and because he was grieving, look at 1 Samuel 15, 23. It says rebellion. Watch me. When you're grieving, you can begin to not do what you know you're supposed to do. All right? How many of you ever felt bad, knew you shouldn't ate something, and then you ate it anyhow? Come on, wave at me. Come on, don't do me like that. How many of you ever, you weren't feeling great, and then you decided you were going to go to a particular place that rhymes with roadhouse? And you decided that you weren't just going to have one basket of bread, but you're going to have two baskets of bread. And, and watch me, each one of those pieces of bread has 200 calories a pop, which means after you didn't have two baskets of bread, you didn't have your full caloric intake for the day because you didn't just get the bread, you had some butter with the bread. So now you have 2,000 calories and you ain't even had an entree. Got to know your numbers. The more you know. Can't just be spiritual. You got to count. You ready? What, what happens is when we're grieving, we can become rebellious. Say, Lord, keep me from rebellion. Um, why? Because grief makes you think that you are exempt from what you know to be correct. 
Rebellion doesn't mean I made a mistake. Rebellion means I knew I shouldn't have did it and I did it anyhow because I'm grown. And for some of you, watch me, your I'm grown moments have cost you way too much. I need you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, don't let me rebel. Oh, my God. Uh-uh, don't let me turn away from what I know to be right. Don't let me stop doing what's right. Don't let me start acting crazy. Why? Because I don't have time to end up like Saul. I need to have the first part of Saul's life, not the second half of Saul's life. See, Saul's first half was good. The second half was bad. Your first half may have had some challenges, but the second half is about to be mind-blowing, statistic-shattering, line-crossing, Boundary breaking. Somebody say these next six months. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. So he says, Saul, you were grieving. And when you began to grieve, you became rebellious. What is rebellion? You willfully deviated from what you knew to be right. Rebellion and transgression are the same thing. When you rebel, you knew you weren't supposed to. You did it anyhow. How many can be honest that when you were coming up, you had a rebellious streak? With your parents. You had to remember, don't y'all leave this house. And then you was like, as soon as she walked out the door, where are you finna go? Don't y'all have nobody over this house in the summertime while I'm not here. And the moment she left for work at 845, you was invited. Don't y'all look at me like that. Y'all really gonna look at me like that in this building? I can tell some of y'all did. It's written all over your face. I, rebellion. Watch what the Bible says. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. So check this out. He says, when you rebel, this is, makes you equal to and tantamount to a witch or a warlock, which is a male witch. What is that? It means that you use subversive tactics in order to accomplish your goal. Sometimes when we rebel, we think we're going to make God change his mind. See, some of y'all ran from God thinking that he was going to unpick you because you ran. And watch me. No matter where you ran, he was like, and I'm still here. I want to know if there's some honest people at this 915 where you can tell the truth that there are some times you rebelled against God, knew you were doing it, and you thought, well, maybe the Holy Ghost will just leave me alone. And he didn't leave you alone. He just followed you right up into wherever you went. I wish I had honest people. He followed you right up in their house and said, I know you ain't finna do this. I know you. He followed you right up to the bar, right up to the club. Aren't you glad he loved you so much that even when you tried to run, his love ran after you. I need to check this building and check my digital campuses to make sure I got some people where his love has ran after you. He says, rebellion is as simple as witchcraft, and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. So he says, if you rebel, that makes you a witch. And, and watch me, and he says, and if you're stubborn, you might as well get you an idol and worship it. What is idol worship? It means that you give something else the same level of worship as God. This is why the scripture says, you shall have no other gods before me. He says, you shall have no idols. In other words, God says, if you're stubborn, you've made something an idol. Here's what this means. If you're inflexible, you will not have favor. Let me see if I can say it another way. He says, when you choose to be stubborn, God says, you have now placed something to be more important than he is. Can I give you an example of this? Uh, in the scripture, Abraham, God promises him and his wife, Sarah, that they're going to have a child. Well, they get impatient. So what do they do? They get rebellious. When they get rebellious, Sarah says, well, listen, you're getting old. I'm getting old. They didn't have uh, helps in those days. And so literally the Bible says that Abraham was dead. Mm, can I get y'all to read in between the lines? Cause this is the nine fifteen. That means that no matter how much Sarah rubbed up on him, Abraham was like, baby, ain't nothing finna happen today. It didn't matter how many Marvin Gaye songs, how many Isley Brothers songs they played, it wasn't nothing getting ready to happen. All right. In their impatience, watch me. You ready what that is? That's grief. God hasn't done this yet for us, and we are grieving, watch me, the absence of something we were hoping for. And for some of y'all today, your grief is over something that you were hoping would have already happened. Listen to me, you are not behind schedule, you're right on time. Come on, 915, say, I'm right on time. So what happens? He's, uh, Sarah says to him, well, listen, here is my handmaiden. Translation, here's one of my personal assistants. Y'all can sleep together. Now, you get a one-time hall pass, Abraham. Don't be going in her room no more. She says, y'all can sleep together because we need to have a child. She says, listen, Abraham, we got to get you. You got a window of time. Sarah was like, and I got a window of time, all right? I'm, listen, my biological clock is ticked out of time. 
So what happens? They end up uh, uh, producing a child named Ishmael. Say Ishmael. Ishmael and Isaac are still at war today. Because anytime that you try to do your own thing because grief has got you rebellious and stubborn, you will produce something that will fight with your promise. See, Isaac was the promise. Ishmael was the grief. Isaac was what God promised them, but Ishmael is what they rushed to try to do. And for some of you, watch me, if you rush into a relationship, you're going to have an Ishmael. And God says you'll never, ever be satisfied with the Ishmael you create because you should have waited for your Isaac. I, I need you to elbow somebody next to you and say, don't get stubborn. He says, because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And what is stubbornness? Stubbornness is the determination not to change your attitude or position on something in spite of good reasons to do so. And sometimes when we're grieving, we can become stubborn because I don't want any more loss. I don't want any more pain. I don't want any more issues. So I'm going to become stubborn. And can I be honest with you? I said this last night in my message preview. Stubbornness. Uh, every business owner, every leader of anything, wave at me, wave at me. Stubbornness is often how you will accomplish a goal. What do you mean? Because people will tell you you can't get it done, and there'll be something in you that says, I hear what you say, but I got good reasons to keep going. <laughs> the problem is when you become stubborn in the wrong situation. See, there are certain things you need to say, wait a minute, I'm going to fight until I win. There's other things where you need to say the win is not fighting. It's just the determination not to change your attitude or position on something in spite of good reasons to do so. So what ended up happening? The Bible makes this clear, that his disloyalty and refusal to repent made God grieve. So Saul is grieving. God is grieving. Look at 1 Samuel 15 and 11. I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my commands. Somebody said, these Sauls ain't loyal. I need you not to be mad when people aren't loyal to you. When we have scriptural evidence and proof that there's people who will not be loyal to God. Stop expecting people to give to you what they do not even give to God. This is why when you're interviewing friends and you're interviewing romantic relationships, you need to know about their relationship with the Lord. Why? Because if you are sloppy with him, who in the heck are you? You think they're going to give you something they won't give God? Y'all are quiet in this building, all right? So watch me. Um, so God is grieving. Saul is grieving. Now look at this. Now Samuel is grieving. 1 Samuel 15, 35. And Samuel did not see Saul again, but Samuel grieved over Saul. Who's Samuel? Samuel is the man of God. He is the one that invited Saul to the cookout. And when he invited him to the cookout as the man of God, he's the one that made him king. And I need you to hear me. Mishandled grief will ruin great. I need you to say this with me one more time. Say, the funeral is over. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, listen, I know you mean that, because when you say that, watch me, where you were grieving, that thing is going to turn into a joyous response. It may not be everybody, but for those of us that are going into the best six months of our life ever, we'll know, watch me, based on all the praise that we put behind the statement. Say, and the funeral is over. Put up. Hallelujah. 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 You cannot mishandle grief. Look at Psalm 6 and 7. The psalmist says, my vision is blurred. See, here's why you mishandle things when you're grieving. Because when you're grieving, you don't see properly. So rebellion doesn't seem like a big deal. I'll ask for forgiveness later. Stubbornness doesn't seem like a big deal. Well, if God wanted it to happen, he's going to make it happen. Mm, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. See, on the earth, God has given us dominion, which means, watch me, God does not force his will. You're going to have to willingly obey his will. It's quiet in the building. He says, my vision is blurred. Why? Because of grief. Say, I will not mishandle my grief. My eyes are worn out. He says, listen, I don't see properly, and I'm wore out. And when you're wore out, watch me, you don't perform well. 
you, you, you ever um, got, you know, like 30 minutes of sleep, an hour of sleep, two hours, in, and then when it was time for you to do what you were supposed to do, you were doing stuff, and you're like, what are you doing? You ready? Wait a minute. You, you ever been wore out and been driving, and, 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 and as you driving, come on, just look at me. You ain't, you just look at me. Just look at me. Come on, come on. Just look at me. Well, you, you know, you thought, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. As you wipe the, the sleep from your eyes. Here's what happens. When you're grieving, you don't see properly, and when you're grieving, you're wore out. And when you're wore out, watch me, you'll tire quickly. When you tire quickly, that means you won't finish what you start. When you tire quickly, this means you won't perform at your best. This is why I need you to say this one more time, 915, because you need to let your life know you are not going to give me blurred vision, and I am not going to remain in a worn out status. Come on, say, the funeral is over. What did I teach you? There are five stages of what? Grief. Number one, denial. You pretend like it's not happening. Say it happened yeah. and it's over. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Number two. Um, let me just throw this in here. Can I throw this in here? The longer you stay in denial, the longer it takes you to make good decisions. Because while you're denying that it's not the reality that it is, it's difficult for you to make good decisions because you're still hoping that it's something that you hoped it would be and not dealing with the reality of what it is. See, some of you with certain friendships, you need to just ex you need to stop denying the fact that they're not a friend. The data has been clear. Feelings lie, data doesn't. But here's what I love about it. Number two, say anger. This is when you get mad about what happened. I can't believe that Mark did me like this. I can't believe she did me like this. And some of you, you ready? You, you ready? You haven't denied it, but you're still mad about it. Look at somebody and say, what are you mad for? Do you not know you being angry is not going to change anything? Do you not know that you being angry is only going to release cortisol in your body and now you're going to have a big old stomach because you're mad at somebody? I need you to touch somebody on the shoulder and say, stop being mad. Say, it's over, and you survived the worst. I need to hear a praise from every survivor in the building and all. I ain't mad about it. I survived it. I'm not angry about it. I survived it. I'm not crying about it. I survived it. Third stage of grief is bargaining. This is when you begin to make deals with people and deals with yourself and deals with God. Okay, well, if you come back to me, See, we have a problem because why are you running after? It's quiet in the building. <laughs> All right? Uh, uh, watch me. You start making deals. Okay, God, if you do this, I'm going to do this. Start making deals with yourself. Okay, I'm going to do this like I'm supposed to do. The problem is, is that um, you're trying to make a deal after the deal is closed. Okay, I'll say it again. You're trying to make a deal after the deal is closed. And the danger of making a deal after the deal is closed is that you don't recognize you're trying to make a deal with a party that cannot even respond because the deal is closed. Once you close on a home, you don't get the same benefit. If in a refinance, you have something called the right of rescission, which means you have three days to say, I don't want to do this deal. But when you purchase a home, you don't have the right of rescission. They got your money. They got your check. And you're responsible for this for the next 360 months. So you can sit there at the table all day and say, well, wait a minute, let's try to redo this interest rate. It's too late, it's closed. Mm. And for some of y'all, there are things you keep digging back up and God's like, it's closed. Would you let it be what it was so you can move on to stage four? Stage four is depression. Depression means that you feel numb during the process of grief recovery. All depression is is a discouraged place that you stayed too long. See, some of y'all need to, watch me, when you go to a hotel, most times they'll tell you, you know, your checkout is at 12 noon the, the following day, which I never fully liked because how are you going to say check in is at 3 and check out is at noon? I paid you for a whole day. Huh? I just. Oh, that's why I always get early check in and late check out. You're going to give me my full 24 hours and then some. Trying to teach y'all how to do it. You ain't going to tell me to come in at 3 and leave at noon. You leave at noon. I'm not going nowhere. And I don't care if I'm not doing nothing. I'll just, I'm going to be just, just sitting in the room with my luggage. Just. 
Yeah, I'll leave it three. I ain't leaving it. <laughs> I'm just playing. Depression. Depression is a discouraged place that you should have checked out of, but you keep going back to. And for some of you, watch me. You, you say, I just feel so depressed. I just feel so numb. I just feel, I just feel, I just feel lifeless. Well, watch me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Please look at me. Please look at me. Please, please, please look at me. Check out. Pack your bags and check out of that depressed place. He did not create you for you to live in depression. He did not create you for you to live stuck in discouragement. I need every person that in the last six months you felt this fourth stage, you can be honest because you can never heal if you're not first real. Can I get you to lift your hands, open your mouth and say, I check out of depression. Come on, say, I check out of numbness. Say it, y'all, I check out of anxiety. Say, I don't live there. Say, matter of fact, I can't even get access to that place again. Because when I check out, they change the code. I can't get back into that depressed place. Worship God like for the next six months, you're not going back to that low place. If you've been there the last six months, come on 915, I need you to worship God like you are not going back to that place. You can't even get access. Your key card don't work. There's another inhabitant of that place. Now, make this declaration and say, I'm in stage five. Five stages of grief. I love it because five is the biblical number of grace. It's the biblical number of supernatural. It's the biblical number of favor, which means, God says, if you get to stage five and don't mishandle your grief, and all of us at some point in life have mishandled our grief, what does it mean to mishandle it? We stay stuck in one of those previous stages, and we never get to the acceptance stage. Say acceptance. Come on, say it with me, 915, with authority. Say acceptance. When you accept it, here's what you're doing. It's seen in 1 Samuel 16 and 1. The Lord said to Samuel, let me see if I can say it another way. Say your name. And the Lord said to you, in the month of July, 20 and the 22. You ready? Seven, since we want to play the numbers, let's play the numbers then. Seven is the biblical number of completion. God's like, all right, this has completed its cycle. This has completed its term. This has completed its agenda. This has completed its purpose. Look at 1 Samuel 16:1. The Lord said to, say your name. How long will you grieve over Saul? Seeing I have rejected him. Not him, but I rejected him from being king over Israel. Pay attention to the nuance. Say nuance. Um, God didn't reject Saul. God says, but Saul can no longer have this seat. And see, for some of you, watch me. You need to learn how to separate the person from the seat. See, there's certain people, watch me, that you'll still interact with them. Ooh, but you ain't going to be in my best friend's seat no more. Yup. You'll still interact with them, but ooh, you ain't coming over my house no more. Y'all not so, but sometimes you gotta learn how people need to play their musical chairs and the music stopped and ain't no chair for you anymore. Which means I ain't mad at you no more. I just don't fool with you like that. I ain't mad at you no more. I just don't hang out with you like that. I Tell somebody next to you and say, you don't have to be mean in order to keep it moving. God was like, I love Saul. I picked Saul. But he can't sit there no more. He can't. He can't. See, some of you, watch me. You're grieving, and you didn't even know the proper thing to grieve. What do you mean by that, Bishop? You're grieving over Saul. Wrong grief, sir. You should be grieving over the fact that he can't be king anymore. What you should have been doing is say, Saul, what's your plan after the kingdom? Because God has done with you. You can't have the kingdom no more. So we need to figure out what you're going to do after this. You're grieving the wrong thing, which explains why your grief makes no sense. You're grieving the wrong thing, which explains why your grief makes no sense. See, some of you, you're grieving, but I didn't get to do it like this. I didn't get to say this. I didn't get to do this. I didn't get to do that. You're grieving the wrong thing, which is why your grief doesn't make sense, which means every time you try to get over your grief, you can't get over your grief because what you're grieving about doesn't even make sense. But so-and-so left me. You're grieving the wrong thing. 
See, you're grieving all of what you invested. And what you need to be excited about is what you didn't invest. I Thank God you only spent 12 years in it instead of 24. Y'all not saying nothing to me. I need you to thank God for what you did not waste, for what you did not do. And the Bible makes it clear that everything that you've done, you'll receive the same back from the Lord. Come on, open your mouth and say, and it's payback time. He says, he says, Samuel, you are grieving over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel. What does he say? Fill your horn with oil and do what? And go. The horn there doesn't mean like a trumpet, not a trombone, not a saxophone. It, it, it means a ram's horn. In other words, he says, listen, I need you to get the ram's horn ready. Watch me. The ram's horn is in the scripture is called a shofar. Now listen, 915, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put a praise in here like I've been teaching you, like I've been teaching you. All right? I don't need y'all when I say this to look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about because I've been teaching you good. All right? This is an open book test. You ready? What does a shofar do? A shofar calls everything into alignment and order. A shofar says that everything that's out of order get into order and get in alignment. A shofar announces that something new is about to begin. So what did God tell him to do? He says, get your shofar ready and I need you to get your oil in your shofar. In other words, watch me. Your shout is going to signify you ready for your next. I'm not playing with you, 915. I said your shout will signify that you are ready for you. And everything's coming into alignment. And everything's coming into order. And all things are in the right place at the right time. Say it's all coming together for me. Look at somebody tell them it's all coming together for you. Say watch before your eyes. It's all coming together. Say, let me prophesy to you. It's going to be better than you ever imagined. Come on now, 15, we're about to go. But look at somebody say, let me prophesy to you. It's going to blow your mind. Let me prophesy to you. It'll be worth the wait. It'll be worth the fight. And I'm glad that I waited. And I'm glad that I waited. And I'm glad that I waited. Listen, listen, listen. He says, fill your horn with oil. And do what? And go. Say, this is acceptance. He literally, he literally says, get your shofar together. He says, announce that something is new. Say, I'm in a new day. I ain't got to wait on the day to change. I decide when it's a new day. I ain't got, watch me, I ain't got to wait on a report from somebody to decide. I'm in a new day. I ain't got to wait until you think I'm in a new day. I can decide my own day. I'm in a new day. I ain't got to wait for the economists to say I'm in a new day. I'm in a new day. I ain't got to wait for uh, 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 the uh, CDC to declare I'm in a new day. I'm in a new day. I ain't got to wait for a job to tell me I'm in a new day. I'm in a new day. I ain't got to wait on a government to tell me I'm in a new day. I make the decision myself. Say, I'm in a new day. Fill your horn with oil and go. In other words, he says, you need to fill up so you can go up. Here, here's what grief does. Grief depletes you so you're not full. You're not full of praise. You're not full of power. You're not full of worship. You're not full of expectation. You're full of ish. Ish literally is a Hebrew word for man. You're full of yourself. Oh, no, that's Bible. Oh, no, that's Bible. Oh, I got scripture for you. Ready? Literally, literally what will happen is, is grief will have you in a state, I just don't know what to do. I'm just stuck. I'm just so tired. And all you're going to do is eat. Come on, y'all. Why y'all looking at me like? All you're going to do is eat. Or then some of y'all do the opposite. You don't eat nothing. You're walking around here. Just, I had two, three carrots. I rebuke anorexia. And I mean what I just said because somebody is literally dealing with that right now. And you're like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Sometimes your body dysmorphia is because of grief. If y'all let me get prophetic in these last four minutes that I have, listen, just, just tell somebody next to you, say, you're going to get to stage five. Acceptance. He says, I need you to fill up so you can go up because grief has got you feeling depleted. And look at this next part. I will send you to Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. 
And what does Jesse mean in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament? A gift from God. Check this out. You're going to have to go. Watch me. Your gift isn't coming to you. You're going to have to get out of grief and go get your gift. See, some of y'all, you sit back saying, Lord, let it rain. God is like, it is raining, but you're going to have to move to where the rain is. I need you to touch somebody next to you, please, and say, go get your Jesse. Go get your gift. Say, it's ready. You ready. Let's go. It's just sitting over there waiting on you. And all things are now ready. Come on, level 15. Say, and all things are now ready. And all things are now ready. Let's go. Let's go. I will send you to Jesse. In other words, gift, your gift and your grief aren't in the same place in life. For some of you, watch me, it's going to be a natural move. And that natural move is going to take you into a gift. For some of you, watch me, your address is about to change. Because the house you're in represents the grief you had. Oh, my God. But you're about to have a literal change. For some of you, your career is about to change. Uh-oh, I just heard somebody's phone ring tomorrow at 10, 11 a.m. They're calling you with the job offer. Because you're about to literally switch careers. You're going to leave a place of barrenness and wilderness, and you're going to get your Jesse. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, Jesse, I'm coming. I Say it again, Jesse, I'm coming. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Look at this next part. This is my shout. For I have provided. So to every person that says, well, God ain't provided, you a lie. You are a whole lie. And today we're going to get you in the truth. But the Lord hasn't provided. Yes, he did. He just didn't provide it where you wanted it. Oh, yes, he did. He just didn't provide it where you wanted it. And as long as you stay stuck in grief, you're going to miss your gift. As long as you stay stuck crying, you're going to miss your conquering. As long as you stay stuck chasing her behind, you ain't never going to get to a... I'm talking like a Wednesday. As long as you keep chasing him, watch me, you're going to miss your gift. God says, I have provided. So here it is. After grief, I have to go. Say, that's a decision. Um, here's what a lot of us do is we let our emotions run us. We don't tell our emotions what to do. How many can be honest that sometimes, you, just, just be honest, my hand's up first before I even ask, ask the question. And so that way you can be honest. Sometimes you can let your emotions punk you. My hand's up. What do you mean punk me, Bishop? Is that your emotions will tell you, you can't do it. It's not going to happen. Aren't you sad now? Aren't you feeling some type of way? Don't you just want to close the blinds and lay in the house all day? Don't you just want to do nothing? Don't you just want to mourn over what you don't have instead of celebrating what you do have? See, after grief, I have to make a decision to go. Say acceptance. And that's the decision. This is why I keep having you repeat certain things because you keep saying, I'm just waiting on it to lift. It won't lift until you tell it to go. I'll say it again. It won't lift until you tell it to go. Sometimes you're going to feel overwhelmed and you're not just waiting on this feeling to leave me. It ain't leaving until you tell it to go. And some of y'all need to get violent in the spirit today and say, there's some things I've been letting slide that I'm about to tell you got to go. You ain't going to be crying about it this week. You going to tell them tears? Nah, we ain't doing that this week. We're about to find a whole business plan behind this. No, we ain't crying about this. We're not upset about this. We're not mad about this. Baby, I'm going to get my gift. Today's message is Summer Breeze by the Isley Brothers. We at the end. And I don't know about you, but I love that Ronald Isley. He sounds the same in his hundreds. <laughs> I said that with love. No, 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 no. I mean, he do all these high notes and stuff. And, he, and, and, and be clean. Be clean. How many of y'all, listen, this was one of your jams back in the day. Just right, and all I needed was just the first part. Now, some of y'all don't know nothing about the Isley Brothers. I know I'm in Denver. The Isley Brothers were a popular rhythm and blues group that existed in popular American music for a prolonged period of time. They're still making hits today. You ready? 
they still touring, I think. Say Summer Breeze. Say Summer Breeze. Now listen, the lyrics are the focus of the message. We're at the end. We're at the end. But I needed to make sure I took you up at the end because you need to go get your gift. I'll talk over here. You need to go get your gift. Come on, middle section. You need to go get your gift. Come on, digital platforms. You need to go get your gift. But everybody that says, I'm about to get mine, I watch me. I need you to open up your mouth and put a praise in the atmosphere like you're about to go get your Jesse. One, two, three, go. And I'm about to get my gift. Come on, say, I'm going to get my gift. It's packaged and it's ready. It's ready and it's packaged. I just got to go get it. Come on, let's prophesy. Say, people are waiting on me. Say, money is waiting on me. Opportunity is waiting on me. Favor is waiting on me. The right fits are waiting on me. Look at the lyrics. The lyrics say this. The lyrics say this. This is the focus. Summer breeze. Blowing through the... Now listen, I skipped some lyrics because we didn't have time for all that. It says, sweet days of summer, the jasmines in bloom. Say, the jasmine is in bloom. Now you may say, Bishop Foreman, how in the world are you going to connect this together? You should have been here long enough to know that you can give me a penny, a cup of water, and a paper clip, and I will preach a whole message. You ready? Jasmine means God's gift. So for summer breeze, pay attention. Look at the last part of the lyrics. The jasmine is in bloom. When is jasmine in bloom? In the summer. I'm here to tell somebody this summer, God says your gift is. I don't like the way some of y'all ain't responding. I'll talk to y'all. Somebody say the jasmine is ready in the summertime. I'm so glad you didn't give up in winter. I'm so glad you didn't give up in spring. I'm so glad you didn't give up in May or June. I'm glad you lasted to get to the summertime. Why? Because the jasmine is in bloom. Your gift is ready. Your gift is ready. Lift your hand, say, and my gift is ready. And it's not ready. According to the first book of Isaac, brothers, Chapter number 12, verse number 3. <laughs> bishop Ronald said, I'm going to make him a bishop. Bishop Ronald said that it's, that it's not ready, it's not in bloom until summer. And then look, look me, say these lyrics are prophesying to me. Sweet days. In other words, I'm glad I got to this season. Why? Because there's going to be some sweet days that are ahead of me. Prophesy over the rest of your July. Say, sweet days. The jasmine is ready. Prophesy over these next six months. Say, sweet days. The jasmine is ready. So what's the first gift? What's the first gift? We're done. What's the first gift, Samuel? What's the first gift that you get? Somebody say there's seven gifts. There's seven gifts on the other side of your go. You don't get the, greed, uh, the gifts if you stay in grief. You only get the gifts if you get on the other side of your goal. Which is why for some of you, you ready? Let me get in your business. You have been in a state of indecision. Wave at me if I'm talking to you. Online, get a hand. There are things where you've just been, you just, listen, your decision is I have no decision. Your decision is I don't know. I'm seeing. I'm looking. I'm trying. We're going to see. You ready? The gifts are on the other side. So here it is. I rebuke indecision. Because I need you to get your gift. And for 50 of y'all that are praising radically, watch me. Your gift is going to show up by this same time tomorrow. Oh, you think I'm just talking? 1 Samuel 3, 19. And the Lord was with the man of God. And he did not let. And he did not let. And he did not let. And he did not let, and he did not let one of his words fall to the ground. So here's the first gift. Say the first gift. First gift. So remember, 
How did Samuel get to Saul? Or how did Saul get to Samuel? A cookout. Here's the first gift. An opportunity that you thought you'd never have again. I'm going to throw this mic. Is you get another cookout. You say, Bishop, what do you mean you get another cookout? Look at the scripture. The scripture says this. Uh, 1 Samuel 6 and 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The Lord tells him, I want you to go and I want you to have another cookout at Jesse's house. Which means the opportunity you thought had passed. Y'all, if you... The opportunity you thought you lost forever, watch me, it's about to come back full. You about to get a do-over. If you don't put up, you about to get a second opportunity at what you messed up before. Come on, somebody throw up a two in the air. Somebody say, I'll get a second chance. Woo, God. I know they declined you last month. But you're about to have her. I know they said it wasn't going to happen for you, but you're about to have her. Somebody say another cookout. I can stop right there, but somebody say, but there's more. 1 Samuel 6 and 2. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears that he will kill me? Verse 3. And I will show you what you shall do after you go. Here's gift number two. Strategy. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. And then you're like, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Gonna, okay, here's my second gift to you. I'm going to give you, uh-oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, a strategy. I got another gift for you. Watch me, watch me. And the gifts are chained to your decision to go. The gifts are chained to your decision to go. The gifts are chained to your decision not to stay stuck in grief, but to get to the other side. Which means you don't get these if you stay in grief. You only get these if you get up and go. Y'all ready? Watch me. Now, now look at this. Gift number three. Say gift number three. All right, so if you look at verse number seven, do not look on his appearance. So what happens? Samuel, get, put him on the table. Put him on the table. Put him on the table. What happens? Samuel says, Samuel says he goes to Jesse's house. What does Jesse mean? Gift from God. So Sam, Jesse has some sons. Say sons. He has multiple sons. And these multiple sons that Jesse has, uh, the Lord says, I'm going to prepare and provide for myself a king in his house. The first son comes. The Lord says, it looks like it. It looks like the right deal. It looks like the right offer. It looks like the right opportunity. He said, watch me. But don't look on his appearance nor the height of his stature. So here's the third gift. I'm going to give you correction. Don't look at this. Look in this. There are certain things that you are looking at, and really what you need to do is look in. See, there's certain things that from the outside, you're like, this makes perfect sense. And on the inside, God says, this is going to be a disaster. Say, Lord, help me to look in it, not at it. Say it again. Say, Lord, help me to look in it, not at it. See, there's some people that looking at them, they're great. But when you look in them, they're awful. When you look at them, they're, they're, give them another chance. But when you look in them, you recognize that all they want is another chance to do the same thing over again. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? All right, watch me. Verse 10. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass. Seven is the biblical number of completion. Here, here's the next gift. The next gift is completion. God says, I'm going to bring to completion things in you, things around you. You ready? For some of you, your life has been a run-on sentence. Comma, after comma, after comma, after comma. Let me tell you the punctuation you're about to experience. Period. That issue with that judge, God says, I'm sick of these commas. It's about to be a... That issue with your family, I'm sick of y'all going back and forth about this. It's about to be a... That issue with you doubting yourself. I'm sick of you doubting yourself. It's about to be a period. How many gifts are there? Seven. Where are we at? Four. Verse 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, oh my God, are all of your sons in here? Because David, watch me, who was the chosen one, David was not in the house yet. Say he wasn't in the house yet. Which means, watch me, there's certain things that I'm not going to show you until I give you this gift. This gift is called, please put it up, it's called creative questions. I, I'm not going to show you certain things until you ask certain questions. 
And I'm going to give you creative questions. Who would even think to ask, are all your sons here? I told you up front, bring all your sons in the house. We about to have another cookout. I wouldn't even think to ask you because I presumed you did what I said in the first place. For some of y'all, you're going to ask them, well, do you think I can work from home? They're going to say, well, you know what? We typically don't do that for this role, but for you. Do you think y'all can give me 60 months of deferred payments? Well, we don't normally do that, but for you. I need you to touch somebody next to you and say, ask some creative questions. You're about to ask what nobody else has asked, which means you're going to get what nobody else has received. Say, make me creative. You're going to say, I know I applied for this role, but I noticed you had a C-suite, a chief suite available. And since I'm here, let me go on an interview for that. And you're going to walk in thinking you're going to be a director. But I just heard the Lord say he's about to release some C-suites. For... I'll talk to y'all. He's about to release some C-suites. Chief executive officer, chief financial officer, chief information officer, chief people officer, chief marketing officer, Chief Operating Officer, Chief Strategy Officer, Chief Mo Say creative questions. Come on, we gotta go. Look at Jesse's response. Well, there remains yet, I love the Bible, <laughs> yet. There remains yet the, long, the youngest. But behold, this is, look over there. He's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, listen, 915, listen, this is your Bible, and this is about you. You got it? And Samuel said to Jesse, Samuel said to his gift. Ready? Send for him. I will not sit down until he gets here. Okay, 915. Hello. Morning, everybody. Shalom. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. You ready? Here it is. Until he shows up. Say your name. And the party won't start until you get there. And it's not going to take off until you get there. In other words, somebody say persistence. Samuel had to be persistent until he saw what it was that he came for. But can I also tell you something powerful? Watch me. The persistence is this, is that he says, I will not rest. I will not sit down until, say your name, walks into the room. Put the verse back up. And the Bible says, send and get him. Come on, open your mouth, please. Say, they're about to send for me. Please open your mouth. Say, my name's about to be brought up. Say, my name's about to be brought up. Say, my name's about to be brought up. And I'll be sent for. All expenses paid. And I'll be sent for. An opportunity created for me. And I'll be sent for. The right relationship. And I'll be sent for. The right friendship. And my phone's about to ring. And my DM's about to blow up. And my email's about to be full. And my calendar's about to be booked. And my calendar's about to be booked. And the new building's gonna be overflow. And the new building's gonna be overflow. And the new, I'll preach my own self happy, and I will, and I will. Somebody say, we will not sit down. Say your first and last name one more time. Put it in the atmosphere. Some of y'all are either you're hard of hearing or you just don't listen. Open your mouth and say your first and last name. One, two, three, say it. Saying it can't start until I get there. And it can't start until I show up. We will not sit down. So you stand up. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand in the building and at home. I need you to stand. Mm -mm. I need you to stand. And this is what the whole company's doing. 
This is what the whole city doing. This is what all of Atlanta is doing right now, waiting on us. This is what every place we have a harvester is doing, waiting on us. This is what your loan is waiting on. Let's see. This is what your new property is waiting on. This is, oh my God, this is what your new home is waiting on. I, we will not sit down until he comes here. Come on, come on, open your mouth, please make this declaration. Say, come here. Favor, come here. Breakthrough, come here. Opportunity, come here. Keys, come here. Now. Here's the fifth, here's the seventh gift, excuse me. A hidden solution. What if I told you all the options you were looking at aren't all the options? What if I told you all the options you were looking at aren't all the options? For some of you, watch me, let me talk to some of you single people for a moment. And you're like, well, these are the options I got to pick from. And there can be the temptation to begin to settle because you believe that there's no other additional opportunities or options that are available. But what if I told you what you're looking at isn't everything that's available? For some of you, when it comes to your business, when it comes to your family, when it comes to various areas of your life, you're looking at your various options and you're saying, well, these, these, are all, these, these seem to be all of the options that I have. Well, watch me, but none of the options are right. There's a hidden solution for you. But it's, watch me, these seven gifts are only on the other side of your goal. Say there's gifts on the other side of my goal. Now listen, only for those of you where literally when you look at your options, you're like, I ain't doing that. When you look at your options, you're a little befuddled. You're a little frustrated. If that's you, watch me, your worship is about to bring out this seventh gift. A hidden solution. If that's you, if, if all your options are amazing and, and they're great, you like them all, don't worship right here. You just look at the rest, all right? Don't do nothing, all right? If, if, if there's nothing in your life that can be better, you do nothing. If there's nothing in your life that can improve, you do nothing. But for everybody else, can I get you to lift your hands? We're done. Can I get you to lift your hands? And can I get you to worship the God of your hidden solution? That he's going to reveal it. Let me prophesy. Let me prophesy that he's going to reveal the hidden solution. He's going to reveal the David. That's what it was. See, there was a David that was in a Jesse. There was a David that was in a Jesse. There's a David that was in a Jesse. There's a gift that's in a gift. Your worship is going to bring the hidden solution out. Here's what I just heard heaven say. Before this month ends. Before this month ends. There are seven days left in this month. Wherever you are at, I need you to worship God like he's about to reveal the hidden solution. Ready? Go! Come on, say there's a hidden solution. That's about to manifest before this month is out. In Jesus' name. I need you to just go fist bump two or three people and just tell them it's about to happen. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. Online, tag somebody. Type it in the comments. There's a hidden solution. Caroline is about to favor you. Y'all better stop because I hear my prophetic thing turning real deep. Let's go. If you're in this building on your online and you need to become a Christian for the first time or recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure, wherever you're at, on the count of three in the building, I'm going to ask that you raise your hands online. I'm going to ask that you do the hand with emoji or type these two words. It's me. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. Bishop, why do you still have a standing? Because there's somebody waiting on you. And they said, we're not stopping until, say your first and last name, shows up. You get all of these gifts. I feel like the price is right. You get all of these gifts. If you can pay the price, what's the price? Get over your grief. Get to the other side. Say, it's waiting on me. Now speak this over your life. Say, it's already done. 
It's already waiting on me. You need to become a Christian for the first time. Recommit yourself, Lord. Recommit yourself to the Lord. Or you want to be sure. Bishop Foreman, I've fallen away from the Lord. I want to come back to him. Be sure. Bishop Foreman, I've I got a lot of issues. Guess what? Who doesn't? You're looking at somebody. You're sitting next to somebody. You're online with somebody. Who, truth be told, here's the truth. We may not be where we want to be, but we can show enough, thank God, that we are not where we used to be. You need to become a Christian. Recommit yourself a little on three. Hands up in the building online. Hand wave emoji says me. One, two, three. If that's you, hand up in this building. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Come on, y'all celebrate these hands that are up in this building. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. If you're next to somebody where you see their hand up, just give them a little hug. Just, just let them know they're, they're in a safe place. Give them, give them a hug. Let them know they're in a safe place. If you're next to somebody where you saw a hand up, let them know they're in a safe place. Online, do that hand wave emoji. Say it's me. You're in a safe place. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. God's not mad, neither are we. If you want a bunch of Christians that are going to talk down to you and treat you like trash and all of that, we're not going to do that. We're going to speak life into you. Everybody pray this to me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Give me the grace to be a faithful Christian. If I fall, give me the grace to get back up again. And I believe my greatest days are, in fact, ahead of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Scan the QR code on the screen or text the word decision to 877-552-4746. When you do that, we're going to shoot you a text right away to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. Somebody say, Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. The jasmine is in bloom. This is a jasmine plant. There go gifts right there. No, you're not listening. There's your gift. Right there. I want you to get a seed in your hand. If you came in late, you weren't able to give, I want you to get that ready. If you've already given your normal tithes, offerings, first foods, love offerings, I want you to get a seed in your hand. Say, a seed in my hand. And you're going to call this your jasmine seed. That's my gift. Jasmine and Jesse, same meanings. Gift from God, gift from God. Summer breeze. Some of you for your jasmine seeds, so 50, some so 100, some 200. Father, speak to your people what they're to sow. It, however big you want your gift to be, your seed should reflect that. He said, however big you want your gift to be, your seed should reflect that. For some of you, you need to put a stretch in the ground. I'm sowing. Let your giving to the Lord in the building and online. You can use Cash App, dollar sign, Bishop Home with the number two, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, GiveLify. All of that's available. The key email is hello at harvestsearch.church. Text to give and our website and our app. All of that's available. Say, Lord, I sow into your kingdom, not grudgingly nor of necessity, because you love a cheerful giver. As I sow, I know that a harvest has been prepared for me. This seed, I name it my jasmine seed this seed is my gift and as I release heaven releases as I release heaven releases in Jesus name amen everybody say Bishop I don't have 50 I don't have 100 I have 200 so something get something in the ground and name it your jasmine seed the baskets are passing in the auditorium online if you need to scan the QR code or hop off to give you're more than welcome to do that did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. 
They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.